Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. The Puma! Welcome in Brother Man Podcast 124. How you doing? Wow, I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, you know, there's never a dull moment in the NFL. I know we say that all the time, and whether or not it's, you know... Offensive linemen getting laid into, uh, like the you know Tom Brady was doing to the you know his guys like on uh, on Sunday against the Steelers, or you know just upset city. You know we, nobody had on the bingo card the Giants and Jets starting off this hot, but I mean there's always something, Jay. This time, like you know ownership is kind of taking front front stage. I, I don't think anyone's really cared about owner owner meetings this much up until this week, and. Uh, we got a lot to get into real quick. We got <laughs> yeah, and let's start off with that. Um, the owners had a meeting yesterday in New York. Um, from what I understand, Daniel Snyder was not present at the meeting, correct? Um, correct. And, they, and it was a closed-door meeting behind uh, behind closed doors. And, you know, the one thing that came out of this was Jim Ursay had some fairly strong comments about Daniel Snyder, who is the owner of the Washington Commanders. And... He the the one thing that Ian Rapport reported yesterday was that you know he said that I believe there is merit to removing him as owner, and he seems like he's really hell bent on trying to make sure Daniel Slater gets kicked out of the league. So I'm gonna turn it over to you real quick. I know you want to say a couple things about this because um, it's kind of weird to see a NFL owner almost break ranks and have such harsh statements about another owner. So uh, it's interesting to see what's happening with Daniel Snyder right now. Yeah, and just, you know, to give a little bit more background, a couple of days ago, I believe it was Thursday before uh, kickoff of uh, the uh, Commanders-Bears uh, game, Zeth Wickersham and a couple other authors on ESPN uh, did an article about Dan Snyder and a more in-depth look of, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, like more than just looking into the, you know, sexual harassment and toxic workplace allegations, but, you know, how this man gets along with other owners in the league, um, how bad the stadium is, uh, you know, how the, you know, legislative branches in, in Virginia and Maryland have it essentially shut down, you know, building a new stadium for these guys. And that's why FedEx Field is such a dump. And how even though Dan Snyder was supposed to not be involved in, you know, team activities during his, uh, I guess, you know, de facto suspension uh, from the uh, Beth Wilkinson report that has yet to see the light of day. Uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of traction going into this meeting, and and Jim Irsay, you know, like you said, Jay, off the top, like he really broke ranks, and you know, he went off the reservation and, and said that you know these allegations, uh, you know, they, you know, they warrant, you know, the merit for Dan Snyder to potentially be voted out. And one of the other reporters, I forget who it was, followed up saying, well, do you think you have the necessary 20, 24 votes out of it? And he's like, yeah, I believe that if we were to have a vote today, uh, we would get those 24 votes. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, I've been on this podcast. We've been doing this for what, Jay, like three years. And, you know, you're always good for, you know, once a year references of me calling Jim Ursay, drunk Jim Ursay. But like a big part of the article by ESPN was how Dan Snyder had like allegedly had private investigators dig up dirt on these owners. And Jim Ursay essentially said, damn the torpedoes. Like if you're going to if you want to find something on me, go for it. I mean, everything that he's done is a matter of public record. You know, uh, DUIs with controlled substances in the cars and, you know, alcohol problems and whatnot. So, you know, I, I got to kind of tip my hat to Jim Ursay for being the, the, the one that 
seems to be like this, you know, the silent majority. I think a lot of owners are, are, you know, not on board with Dan Snyder anymore. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Snyder kind of cooked his goose when he was withholding money from like the league fund and the league pool of revenue uh, with ticket sales and whatnot. Um, so Jim Ursay stood up and said what everyone was thinking. And uh, I think, you know, that kind of put a hair across Roger Goodell's ass. If you looked at some of the questions he was getting at about it, uh, during his presser yesterday, but you know, Jay, unless you saw something different, have any owners like come out and like refuted what Ursay has said? No, no, they haven't. And, and just to the timeline wise here, that ESPN article broke over the weekend. They had the league meetings on Tuesday. And then I believe it was, what, last night where Daniel Slider sent an actual memo out to other owners that got leaked saying, you know, it was a fairly long statement, but the one key word, uh, one key phrase out of that statement was, you know, he said, I have never instructed or authorized my lawyers to hire any private investigator on my behalf for such purpose, and I never would. The purpose being, obviously, uh, investigating and finding dirt on the owner and the commissioner. So it seems like it's going downhill for him quick here, and now it seems like, if he's lost his biggest ally in the NFL owner ranks, which is Jerry Jones, then I think it's game over. I mean, we can all agree that Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones are probably the, the most powerful owners. And if Jerry Jones turns on you, bro, it's a wrap, right? And I think a lot of times, you know, you can get away with pretty stupid stuff, whether it's having a crappy stadium or this sexual harassment lawsuit or that lawsuit. All these things come and go in the NFL. We've seen it over the years. But when you start messing with people's money, when you start taking money out of the owner's pocket that's something these billionaires will not look past so i think he cooked his own goose like you said puma it's basically a waiting game and let's call on jeff bezos come on down new owner of the washington commanders you know be kind of hilarious is you know bezos the, the amazon mogul also owns the washington post and mm-hmm. daniel snyder like this is in the mm-hmm. article he hates the washington post so if he ever was like going to leak any information it would be to like the new york times or or i or, or i forgot like the the other name of the newspaper but he hated wapo so much that it would just be you know shot in Florida for you know Jeff Bezos to own the team while owning the the uh, the Washington Post, but it's just it's bananas, Jamie. Yeah? I mean, there's parts of the article where he's saying like it's like the mafia. I have enough info to bring this mother down. Like oh oh my god, it, it's it's bananas. It's like stuff you would say when you're working at like Burger King, you know, entry level job, barely making minimum wage, and you finally have enough one day, and I go like jay jay i'm gonna burn this mother down let's burn this mother down like that is kind of like the mad dog in a corner mentality that dan snyder has and like the walls are closing in he's got five investigations one of them by the by congress another one by an attorney general or former district attorney i should say It, it it it's wild now jay well well, one, one quick point of that, I really do believe he is, he's done for, and I think he's just lying at this point. I don't think he has any information on these owners or, these, or the commissioner, because if he did, it'd come out by now, because at the end of the day, let's be real, this is over for Daniel Snyder. No, I don't know if it's this year, next year, or two years from now, it's done for him. Like, the, the wheels are in motion, the investigations are going, this paper trail is being written up, the owners are openly talking about him basically being voted out. So if he does have any dirt, now is the time to bring it out, or else it's over. 
Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, like, you know, this time next year, do you think the, you know, commanders are going to be up for sale? Or do you think this is still going to be a Dan Snyder-owned team? Well, Dan Snyder is going to... He's not going to sell a team. I, I think he's going to... He's going to force the owners to vote him out, right? Um, at the end of the day, I think Daniel Snyder is that kind of person who is just a little bit, obviously full of himself, but he's also, he digs his heels in. He seems like he's very disrespectful. I saw this story about how when he first got into the league in 1998, at the first meeting, he was openly like being disrespectful to the owners, basically called them a bunch of old, old timers and they didn't really know what's the new wave and this is how I'm going to run my organization way better than you ever could. And looking back on it, it looks like he failed miserably at running his organization, right? Not I mean, even people... that, the Bidwell story. Exactly, right? So th there's just so much there and it seems like he's that typical you know narcissistic kind of person who is not going to go on his free will but he's going to be forced out mm -hmm. yeah i think this time next year you know I, I think he's going to make the owner set a precedent and essentially vote him out mm -hmm. um obviously it's going to be litigated uh but do i think i do think it's there's going to be a for sale sign up i just don't know if it's going to be sold by this time next year yeah, and then today, also to wrap this up, uh, Jim Ursa came out with a tweet saying something to the effect of, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Um, he's also made remarks about how he was on the sideline at practice looking at his daughter, who's going to be a fourth generation owner of the team or granddaughter, and he just didn't want her to walk into an NFL like this that had the allegations of Daniel Snyder and all the sexual harassments that he had. So it seems like he's really taking a hardline stance here. It seems like it means more to him than just running a business. It, it seems like it's personal for him uh, with his family running uh, the Colts in the future. So, you know, I, I think if he really believes it, then he should go full force after Daniel Snyder and get rid of him because I think this this is the best thing for the NFL. Mm -hmm. For sure. Definitely going to be must-see TV as always, Jay. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you've got your boy Taylor Heineke starting this week as well. Yeah, on top of that, like, you know, Carson Wentz breaks a finger. Taylor Heineke's coming in, the our Lord and Savior, Taylor Heineke. Uh, but, you know, that goes by the wayside. But, you know, outlook for that against the Packers. I mean, real quick, I, I think Taylor Heineke is serviceable. Like, I'm not just, a, you know, a stand. Like, I'm going to look logically at this. Can you win this game? Absolutely. Yes, you can. Can, you, can you rip off, like, a two or three game stretch where, you know, you're maybe two and one or competitive and, you know, maybe you go one and two? Sure, absolutely. But do I think he's the long-term solution for this season? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, so. he should be. He's not any better than – I mean, same as Carson Wentz, right? The only thing is, like, Carson, for all we say about him, like, he can drive the ball down the field. Mm -hmm. Heineke can't – like, his arm is not going to get the ball down there. And there's mm -hmm. a couple of times where it's, like, intermediate throws across the middle. Like, maybe he can't – you know, his height, he's not the biggest dude. He might not be able to see over the line. So, it's kind of, you know, fluttering out there. He has different arm angles. So, it might be easier to bat down or get picked off by the lineman. So, there, there he is limited. But I will say, like, the one thing he can do is keep plays alive. And especially with how bad this offensive line is for Washington, that's going to, I think, play in his, you know, his attributes, his, his favor of being mobile, maybe doing something off script. And he's got moxie. And that's something I, I've said that for the last two years. He's got moxie. He's got a little bit of an edge. And, you know, a lot of the guys on that team buy into it. So 
Do I think they can go down a stretch and rip off a couple of games? Absolutely. I just don't think he's going to be the long-term solution in Washington. Well, if anything, I think Washington's going to cover just because, like you said, he has a moxie. Uh, and what's the what's the spread? It's got to be like seven points something, right? Well, it opened at five and a half, Ooh. but with reports of uh, Aaron Rodgers missing practice today with this thumb injury, and they were trying to downplay it last week, and Green Bay looked utterly horrendous against the Jets last week, uh, and then he missed practice today, that line moved a full point. It went down from five and a half down to four, four and a half. So I'm kind of kicking myself not getting Washington at five and a half, um, but I, I think this line is going to continue to move. I think if if Rodgers misses tomorrow, I would not be shocked if this went down to four or if he saw a couple of three and a halfs you know, floating around in some of your books. So definitely something to keep an eye on. But if you like the commanders, I would definitely say you take it now. Man, what's happened to the Packers? My God. I mean, they're not on our, on our card today to talk about. So, But my God, I, I did not expect the Jets to go in there and basically push them around for four whole quarters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I guess I should never count out the mill funner, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. And, you know, we'll get more of the Jets a little bit later. But, like, I definitely, definitely did not have that on the bingo card yet. I did not have the Jets starting off the way that they did, and I sure as hell did not have the New York Giants starting off the way they did. Oh, so. nobody did that, yeah. All right, let's move on to a quick topic about the MVP race. Uh, we are ha- almost halfway through the season here. Uh, we're coming up on week eight here soon, about the midway point. So let's talk about MVP. Uh, there's a bunch of great candidates out there. Obviously, the the usuals, Patrick Mahomes, right? Um, Saquon Barkley, Jalen Hurts, all these people that are performing fairly well at an elite level um, are, are in the MVP race. But for me, Puma, if it's my money, I think Josh Allen right now is the clear and away favorite um, for the MVP. He leads the league in touchdowns, in yards, most quarterback statistics he's leading. Uh, even in yards, he's like a good, what, 175, almost 200 games um, more than the second uh, second closest guy. So for me and my money with the wins they've had so far, especially a big win in Arrowhead where they went in and uh, beat the Chiefs in a really close 24-20 win, I think for me, Josh Allen right now is the clear runaway favorite for MVP. And I really hope he wins it, man. I think the kid deserves it. And if I had to pick a second up, uh, runner-up, I'm going to say Jalen Hurts at the moment. He's got his team at 6-0. and You know, his percentage through three games, through six games now, is uh, 68, 6.8, which compared to last year was 61.3 so he's also made a fairly large seven percentage point increase in his uh completion percentage so he's doing a good job getting his team playing well and at the moment i got those two guys in, in the mvp lead yeah no I'm, I'm gonna second that i think you know uh josh allen cemented uh his position at the number one spot uh with the win in arrowhead I, honestly jay i think a lot of stuff depends depended on you know this performance against uh, the chiefs uh, last week I, I think sean mcdermott is the leader in the in the clubhouse for coach of the year i think josh allen is is you know mvp um and honestly like is it beyond the realm to see these guys, you know, maybe go 14 and three like this season? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that's beyond the realm because I I think the hardest part of the schedule, they just kind of pass through. So Mm -hmm. um, I think, I I think Allen's the leader in the clubhouse. Um, Jalen hurts for sure. Uh, I think bringing up the bronze is, uh, is uh, Patrick Mahomes, but man, it's kind of crazy. Like how far, 
I guess, you know, in people's eyes, you know, Lamar Jackson has kind of cratered, you know, in, in the MVP standings because, you know, after the first week or two, like, I think he was, you know, it was tied between Jackson and Josh Allen, but then, you know, you have the defense for the Ravens. I understand he's not playing defense, but it's just the eye test to everything. Like the defense cratered, you know, a double digit lead the last couple of weeks, you know, he throws a backbreaking interception against the bills, uh, in a, in a gotta have it spot. Um, he, you know, he looked bad against the Giants in the fourth quarter down the stretch. It's, it's not good for, for Lamar. Uh, so it's definitely something to, to keep an eye on, especially with, you know, he still has like contentious contract negotiations, you know, with the Baltimore Ravens right now. So like he bet it on himself this year. Uh, and he's kind of, like right now. I think he's hitting a bit of a rut, and he's not really helping himself trying to get that max well, payday I mean, next season. I, I've been I've been saying this for a while now, and the guy will play great for stretches, but for some reason, there's always that quarter where he starts to look like a high school quarterback, where he can't complete any balls. He's turning mm-hmm. the ball at an all over an alarming rate, and it just seems to happen now in the last few weeks that this is happening in the fourth quarter of these big games. Like you hit on the head, the Bills interception was massive. The turnover uh, against the Giants that basically cost him the game. So he's actively costing them the game. So I, I I get it. Lamar Jackson is such a weird, weird quarterback to dissect because he's electric. He makes you, you know, stop and watch and take your breath away with some of the plays he makes. But I don't think he's a real quarterback. I'm sorry. I don't think he's a beat you from the pocket. We need this third down. It's the AFC Championship game. The Chiefs on the other side. We got to have this throw to win this freaking game, and I don't think he's that guy. I, I just don't I just don't get the vibe from him uh, in regards to that. Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. Uh, and then your Bills point, Puma. You're, I think you're right. Uh, they've got the Packers coming up on Sunday Night Football after, out of their bye week. They're on bye week this week. They've got the Jets. They've got the Vikings. They got the Browns, Lions, Patriots, Jets again, Finns, Bears, Bengals, and Patriots again. So. A, a few decent teams in there, but you're right. I mean, I can see them going 14 and three, and they've got to go 14 and three. Last year is when they, you know, last year they went to Arrowhead, they beat the Chiefs 38, 24, whatever it was, and then lost the next five or seven games, right? So they can't have that big letdown again this year because in the same exact spot they were last year, and they've got to finish out this season stronger than they did last year. Hmm. No, it's that, that Browns game. That is a Watsonless Browns game, right? Uh, November 20th, correct. Yeah, so uh, Watson okay. is not there yet. Yeah. Gotcha. Hey, are we going to make up yeah. to Buffalo this year or what? I mean, I got to figure it out with uh, the stuff going on at the house. So, okay. all right. definitely all right. want right. to. It's definitely right. on the list. <laughs> Tell Tara we're going to throw her to a table if she doesn't go. Oh, okay. We'll go. <laughs> All right, man, let's move on to some game previews. The 3-3 three three Tampa Bay Buccaneers are taking on the 1-5 Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, we need to discuss this, but let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, okay? They're coming off of a horrendous loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. A loss that, I'm not going to lie to you, Puma, made me reevaluate a couple different things about Tom Brady, and I've got an admission to make today. You ready for this admission? Let's go. This is the first time in my career as a, as a Brady watcher, um, I am truly disappointed in his behavior, his buy-in, and just the optics of what he's putting out there, right? Uh, we all saw the, the video of him on the sideline chewing out his offensive line, you know, F-bombing them here and there, left and right, and all the memes came out. And he's getting quite a bit of pushback and backlash for that. And I, I think 
it's it's just a horrible look because of how he led up to this week, right? I mean, it seems like he was at Kraft's wedding on Friday night. He missed his walkthrough. He took those 11 days off in training camp. He's not there on Wednesdays. Some Wednesdays he is. Some Wednesdays he's not. He retired in the offseason. So it seems like there's a lot of smoke around him not buying in and couple all out the fact that he's not playing the best as well. Uh, which is obviously in conjunction because of his offensive line playing well and the rushing game not being that great as well. But at the end of the day, like, it's just he's got to understand the optics of this. He can't be going out there F-bombing his teammates when he himself isn't putting the time and effort in as well. Right. And, I mean, we were talking about this offline. Like, well, I've watched that video a couple of times just because I, I thought I love hot mic moments. And I just thought this one was hilarious because he's laying into these guys and like the guys are looking at him and maybe I'm looking at it wrong. Nah, but the, the same there wasn't any like head nod. They, they were just kind of staring at him. Like they didn't yeah. have anything to say. Like nobody even like try to come in to like separate him from the rest of the line. It's just like, okay, like we're just going to let Tom, you know, pop off here. Like it kind of, it is what it is. And I mean, he, he went 25 for 40 for 243 yards and like one touchdown. And normally like, you know, a week or two ago, he threw the ball damn near 65 times for what, Jay? Like four touchdowns and and uh, in like damn near 350, 400 yards because he had to throw the, the Bucks back into the game against the Chiefs. And here they are against a battered, you know, defensive front for the Steelers. And battered's being kind because their secondary was just nobody out there. And he couldn't get any success on the ground. And they had no T.J. Watt. And that offensive line was just getting absolutely manhandled. Uh, and I think that's going to kind of play into one of the strengths of the of the Carolina Panthers, which is their front four, because they have a bunch of first-round draft picks uh, on that defense line that I think against this offensive line against the uh, the, the, the Buccaneers, I think they're going to have their way with them. Now, do I think the, the Panthers are going to win? No. Do I think they could cover the 10 and a half, 11 point spread, even with PJ Walker? Sure. I don't think it's beyond the possibility. They almost did it last week against the Rams. But I mean, if I'm a Bucks fan, uh, I'm I'm really concerned at this point for the lack of buy-in. And then you have him on like his, you know, what's his freaking, his Let's Go podcast. And like, yeah. he was kind of, he was really laying it on thick about like being torn with like the family man and trying to have time with his family. And then, you know, going, going to the NFL, you know, going away for the NFL season. And yeah, I mean, he considered it as like going on deployment in the military. And I was like, all right, chief, like that's a little bit of a bridge too far, but okay. Um, I don't think a, a couple of guys in the first Marine division have wheels up memberships that can fly them all over the place, but um, it's it's weird the narrative that's coming out from Brady and the Brady camp about all this stuff. Yeah, and uh, it's it seems like he's not as laser laser focused as as we thought he would be. And I'll be truthful with you, I thought Tom Brady's career would end when physically his arm would fall off and his physical abilities would diminish. I never in a million years thought that his mentality towards the game would change. And that would be the reason why he would essentially be sucking. And let's be real, he is sucking right now. Because I don't think he's laser focused like he usually was, right? In the past, like I said, he, he would miss his sister's wedding if needed to win a game. But now he's so all over the place. And I get it. I mean, he's got a, he's going through some pretty rough stuff right now with his wife. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't give you the excuse to go out on a Friday night to Robert Kraft's wedding, and, and I'll be real with you 100. It's not the act of him 
going to that craft wedding that really irked me, it's not even the act of missing the walkthrough. It's the act of yelling at his teammates when mm. he was sucking himself. That's what really got me. Because right. 100%, 100%, if you look at that video or that of that picture on Friday night from that craft wedding, in the front row, there was David Andrews, center for the Patriots, who made it to a game on Sunday. There's also two other Patriots in that picture that went to the Browns game on Sunday and, and uh, played a good game. It's it's the optics of him yelling at his fucking teammates while he was missing time away from a team that really irked me and a lot of other people as well. Mm-hmm. This is the one week I'm not going to defend Brady. That laid on thick. You, this is free reign for all the Brady haters. Just go ahead. This is the week I will yeah. defend. No, I mean, I don't think we really have anything. I mean, it's, it's all out there. And I, I think at this point, Jay, you know, the the possibility of him walking away for good at the end of this season is legit. And, I mean, we went into the season. We did the first week, uh, the, you know, when we did the first week episode uh, for this season, we ended the segment. We were talking about the over-under for the Buccaneers. And, you know, we were on here uh, saying that yeah the under 11 and a half is heavily juiced but like i would hammer that at this point and i think that i think that sentiment still still rings true i mean there's reports that you know ryan jansen might come back uh, from what everyone thought was like season ending knee surgery but somehow he found a lazarus pit and he climbed in there and he might be able to make it back for you know a potential late playoff run but I mean, at this point, Jay, like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, even if Jansen comes back, I don't think it's going to fix any problems. They only put up 18 points against the Steelers team that had really nobody in the secondary. And he had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and, you know, Leonard Fournette. Like, he he had his guys short of Cameron Brake getting carried out on a, on a stretcher. And I thought it was kind of fucked up where, you know, Brady's warming up and, you know, camera braids on a, a Oh, I love car that though. I in love a neck that, brace. <laughs> so that. it's like, oh, okay, you're gonna you're gonna lay into your <laughs> offensive lineman, but like you're not even gonna check on Cameron Braid, who may or may not be in a wheelchair. Like, oh okay, Tom. I I understand <laughs> it. I don't get it. Okay. <laughs> well that's you're the a wired different dude. Yeah, well that's the Tom that I love though. I mean that's the one that's like laser focused, doesn't really matter if this person's dying or my wife is leaving me. I just want to make sure I win this game. But I just wish we got that all the time. And and maybe it might not ever come back. Maybe he might have really lost the, the juice for the game. We all I mean only time will tell. But the one sneaky thing that's gonna get buried here just because there's so much Brady hate and piling on right now. I'm not even not even Brady hate, just like actual Brady criticism coming on. Nobody's gonna look at the fact that this rush game has been pretty horrid. Three yards per game. I'm sorry, three yards per fucking rush. Like, that's the worst in the NFL by a mile. And that's one of the main reasons why this offense has had a lo- has a hard time um, getting up to speed. Just because it's not the old Chuck and Duck Bruce Arians offense. This is more of a, hey, let's run the ball more. Let's be more methodical about this. The Todd Bowles way of playing football. Uh, and that run game is just giving them nothing at all. And, and, and obviously, the last thing that's going to be talked about this week is going to be Todd Bowles. But I'll be real with you, man. I don't think that guy's it. I know I've, I've said this for about four or five weeks now, and I don't have a lecture stand on this week just because it's more about Brady than anything else. But I promise you we'll have this conversation again in a few weeks. And Todd Bowles and that coaching staff, I think they're freaking clueless. Well, this is what happens when Tom runs out B.A. 
<laughs> so yeah. Bruce Arians got the last laugh. It's like, okay, you don't want me to be the coach. Well, here's Todd Bowles. We're going to move football back to 1995, and we're going to try to establish the run, which if they had their offensive line like they did last year or in 2020, you know, that would be effective. But, this, you know, Ali Marpet retired. Jansen got her. I don't think Tristan Wirfs took a step back. I just think he's the only reliable person on that offensive line because everyone else is either not getting pushed or is a human turnstile. Uh, so if you're not getting any push up front, you're not going to be able to establish the run, and Tom Brady's just going to be, you know, on his back most of the game. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how things pan out. I'm talking about the schedule real quick before we move on. They've got the Panthers, which I think will be a win. Uh, but then you've got a stretch with the the Ravens, um, the Rams. You've got the Seahawks in Germany, which could get wonky because the Seahawks are playing well and you're traveling all the way to Germany. You've got the Browns without Watson, so that should be fine. Saints, that's always tough. 49ers, Bengals, Cardinals. Man, this is not an easy schedule for these guys. I, I tell you what, Puma, that this looks like a 9-8 and eight kind of team, man. This this is going to mm-hmm. be a very interesting and dicey situation if, if they're not able to turn this all around. Yep. Now, for like the two Panthers pan- fans that might actually listen to us, um, you know, I- I'd be doing them a disservice without talking about Carolina real quick. I think uh, this is a. Cares? I think this is Fire a job. <laughs> this is a job audition for a few people on this team. And uh, I did say the defensive line. I think that you know that's like the one bright spot of this team. Not named Christian McCaffrey is the defensive line. Uh, and even like the secondary with J.C. Horn. Uh, but, you know, Brian Burns and, and Derek Brown, I think they're going to be able to have some success on the defensive front against this team. Christian McCaffrey is, is playing out of his mind like a little bit. He hasn't he, he kind of got dinged up early in the season with the, you know, a quad injury. But, you know, he's kind of looked at least like fantasy wise. Uh, he's looked like his old Christian McCaffrey self for like two weeks. And I think that's going to improve because P.J. Walker is going to be starting this week. Uh, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield is out with an ankle injury. I don't think they put him on IR. They just activated Sam Darnold off of IR. Uh, but P.J. Walker is the guy this week, and it's going to be like kind of a case-by-case basis with the Steve Wilkes uh, helmed interim coaching crew. Uh, Robbie Anderson's not there anymore. He had a meltdown, and he, you know, found his way out to Arizona. But I think this is going to be a job audition for a few people. There's been a lot of rumblings about Christian McCaffrey possibly getting moved. Maybe DJ Moore if they want to eat the contract, they being the Panthers. The spread is at 11. I'm with you, Jay. I don't think they win, but I'm kind of thinking they keep it close. So Mm -hmm. if I'm betting this game, I'm going to bet the Panthers getting the points. But I'm not betting it now at 11. I'm going to see if I can get like you know 12 or 13. Somehow the number just creeps up. I'll put it this way: if the the Buccaneers don't go in there and absolutely torch the Panthers, I'll be on full on like red alert meltdown over here. Like mm-hmm. that's going to be like really really bad for me and most of the Brady fans out there. So we'll have to see how that game pans out. Um, yep. All right, let's move on to the four and two New York Jets. Who would have thought I would ever say that? Wow. Two and four Denver Broncos. And listen, I, will, I know we'll get to the Jets here in a second, but let's just talk about the Broncos real quick because they're coming off of that horrendous Monday Night Football performance where they came out against the Los Angeles Chargers, had a decent first quarter. We all were like, oh, this is your Russell Wilson is back. He was 10 of 10, 100 something yards. The touchdown looked really good. 
But then it all went away, man. All that good juju in quarter one just got washed away. The last three quarters of the game, he looked old, washed up, cashed. Uh, just so bad all the way around. And it sucks because that defense for the Denver Broncos is like first, second, or third in most defensive categories. They've given up very minimal points, and the offense has given them absolutely nothing. So, Puma, let me let me start by this, talking about this uh, in this in this game with the Jets and the, and the Broncos. Like, what's happening with Russell Wilson? Like, can we come to the conclusion that he's cashed? Is it over? Is it done? Is it time to write him off? I think I think there's a lot of things going on here. And, you know, we can rewind the clock back to two, three years ago when, remember the whole let Russ cook mantra when he was mm-hmm. in Seattle? Mm-hmm. And, like, for the first, like, five or six weeks, he looked great. And then he went through a stretch where it was, like, the Rams, the Bills, and I forget the other team. And he had, like damn near six interceptions and then finally at that point like you know Pete Carroll pulled the reins and it said no we're going back to what we've done successfully which is we're going to run the ball we're going to do play action here and there and we're going to rely on the defense to get a couple of crucial stops to keep us in games and you know Russ forced himself out of Seattle he finds himself into Denver and it's not all on him he, I think a lot of this is because he did, you know, a lot of veterans were seeing it this year too. They didn't participate in training camps, so they didn't get reps with the ones. So they're, you know, they're still kind of learning on the job, getting the, you know, the, you know, the gel down between them and the offensive line and the cadences and the, the, the receivers and whatnot, and the audibles. And this head coaching staff is just so, they're, mm-hmm. they're so new. They're a bunch of rookies. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett's never called to play. Um, he has the worst game management skills I've ever seen. He even has a guy at the booth now that's supposed to help him with like the decision making mm-hmm. type of deal, which is a little bit horrifying if you have to admit that. Um, and it's still not working. I mean, if I'm Brandon Staley, I'm buying that dude like dinner for the next six months because Staley wasn't any better on Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. but it's just so horrendous in the eyes of the Broncos and the Broncos fans because they paid this guy the, the mega contract that they want he wanted before they even saw him hit the field week one. And now it's almost like buyer's remorse. You see Melvin Gordon, uh, Melvin Gordon being upset on the sideline and frustrated with Nathaniel Hackett taking him out after you know seven touches in the game. And I thought this was interesting. Jay, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But at the end of the game, when it was on that fourth down, and you know Russell Wilson, I think he he dropped back to throw a pass. He bounced it, and that was it. it was game over. Jerry Judy, he didn't just go on the bench, or mm-hmm. he didn't stand next yep. to any you know, certain person. He stood next to Melvin Gordon, who was taken out of the game and was pissed. And Jerry Judy looked visibly upset as well, too. And I think we're maybe three weeks away from the us and them mentality with the defense you know against the offense type of deal of hey we're carrying our weight and you guys are letting us down like we can't play both sides of the football here i i just i don't i've never seen somebody have such a massive drop off in their game like i i truly can't think of a time where it went basically last year he was obviously he was hurt but his numbers were still at a steady clip of being a top, what was it, 10, top 7-ish quarterback, even with the time mm-hmm. away at the end of the year. And all of a sudden, this man like just falls off a cliff. Like I, It's hard for me to wrap my mind around that. Maybe there's an injury we don't know about. Um, obviously, that's always an excuse we can use when somebody's not playing well. But Well, now you got the hamstring. Before yeah. it was a partially torn lat, now it's a hamstring that he may not go this week. 
Well, that's my next question is who's the backup? And when do you start looking at maybe putting the backup in, right? I mean, that's a ridiculous question to ask for somebody who just got paid 200 some million dollars. But this defense is playing out of its mind. You've got you've to salvage that. You've got to use that for positive gains in some respect when it comes to playing football in the NFL. So I know you can fix a run game. And, and I'm, listen, the whole Melvin Gordon thing, I'm over that. Like, I, I don't care about Melvin Gordon. The dude fumbled four times in four games. He can't seem to keep the ball in his hand. So I don't, I don't know why he's pissed off. Latavius Murray was doing a decent enough job running the ball, so that's fine. Run the ball with Latavius Murray. Play some good defense. Who the backup is? You can win a few games upcoming here soon. Yeah, the backup is Brett Rippon. Um, and honestly, with how the hamstring sounds, I would, I would have you know Russell Wilson sit this one out, and you know mm-hmm. maybe for his mental headspace sake, this mm-hmm. might not be the worst idea at this point, especially with that offensive line. Because Jay, I don't know if. Maybe he just was like the line was just missing the protection calls or whatnot. But I mean, he was snapping the ball and Joey Bosa was right there. Damn near taking the snap out of shotgun. Like he Mm -hmm. was just dead to rights on a few of these plays. He wasn't mobile anymore. And, you know, maybe that plays into the hamstring type of deal. But I mean, against this Jets defense where Quinn and Williams is playing like the first round draft pick that everyone thought he was going to be a couple of years ago out of Alabama is playing out of his mind. I think he damn near body slammed, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers last Mm -hmm. week. I mean, they're generating pressure. You know, Robert Sala is looking like, you know, the defensive wonderkin uh, that came out of San Francisco. He's got that fiery energy that everyone's buying into. And this is kind of reminiscent. I heard this comp a couple of days ago on New York radio, uh, reminiscent of like the Rex Ryan years where they leaned on the defense. They were going to grind you into dust with the running game. And, you know, the quarterback just has to manage the game and just be safe with the football. And that's exactly what Zach Wilson's doing Mm -hmm. and Brees Hall is doing and this defense is doing. And against this offensive line that's a sieve against the Broncos, this game opened up. Uh, beginning of the season Broncos minus eight it was down to Broncos minus three yesterday afternoon at one o'clock and then at 4 30 the line dropped to uh, Broncos minus one earlier today was a pick them it's now back to Broncos minus one um, but I I, th- I think the Jets win this one outright I, I have zero yeah. confidence in this Broncos team well we'll know very quickly about the Jets uh, depending on not this week because I think they'll beat the Broncos because they're a bad football team. But next week you got you got the Patriots and you know obviously you know me I'm not the biggest Bill Belichick fan but I want to see how Bill Belichick and Robert Sala go head to head. And then the week after that you got the Bills. If you look somewhat competent in the Jets and the Bills game, I'm sorry in the Patriots and the Bills game, I will start buying into you because last year let's be real. The Patriots absolutely steamrolled the Jets. Like at one of those games, it was fifty-five to like three or whatever it was. It was it was as if the Jets were playing a completely different sport. So I want to see how they match up against the Patriots and how they match up against the Bills. But at the moment, they're playing good, sound like football, right? They're playing good defense, like you said, with Quinn Williams. Sauce Gardner's doing his thing, and Brees Hall is quickly becoming a stud. He's very explosive. 116 yards and a touchdown against the Packers. And the thing about Zach Wilson is, last year he was actively hurting the team, and this year, while he's not actively helping the team, he's not hurting them either. He's just kind of sitting in the middle of the pack there. 110 yards, 10 completion against the Packers, and he's just not costing them the game, and that's what they needed him to learn in the offseason. I think he's learned that. He's learned that Mm -hmm. maybe... Not playing well is just as good as not playing bad as well either, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Now, if he could get a you know a little bit re- more rapport, a couple more targets to Elijah Moore, you know that might be beneficial to my fantasy team. But that was kind of interesting. Like maybe this is the uh, the squeaky wheel game for Elijah Moore because after the win against Green Bay, uh, Rich Samini of the New York Post, I believe. Uh, tweeted out a stat saying, you know, here's a wild one. Elijah Moore had zero targets in this game. And Elijah Moore quote t- tweeted it and said, like, you know, I don't want to say anything because if I do, I'm going to be the selfish one. But, yeah, I don't understand it either. And it's like, okay, well, you said something without saying something. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is a squeaky wheel game. Don't know if I want to fire up Elijah Moore. But uh, against this Broncos well, if- defense, I'm not. I'm staying away. But well, I think he's going to get some up, targets for us, Fed. If you're going to fire him up, don't fire him up this week or actually even next week against the Patriots or even the Bills. I mean, they've got – well, maybe the Bills game might be a little bit of a shootout. So, I don't know. I mean, I want to start this At this point, this I week. think – Yeah. I, start I was going to say, Elijah Moore is, is droppable in fantasy mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. So. And, and, and I've said this already, but this week I'm not learning much from the Broncos. But next week, I'm 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 seeing what the Jets can do. Like, uh, if they come out and they win over the Patriots, or if they are competitive against the Patriots, I'll start buying him. But until then, I still don't have the biggest of faith in Robert Sala. Like, I know he's on a hot streak right now, four and two, but how bad it was last year, and like some of the competition they've played this year. Like, I, I'm just I'm just waiting to see some of these big time games come out for them before I start making some buy in type of uh, moves on the Jets. So so we'll see how that pans out. But let's move on, Puma, to mm-hmm. a game near and dear to your heart. The 2-4 and four Pittsburgh Steelers are taking on the 3-3 three and three Miami Dolphins on Sunday night football. And thank God Tua is coming back. How are you feeling about that? I'm feeling good, man. I'm, I'm happy Tua is coming back. He cleared concussion protocol. Um, and, you know, after, after the last couple of weeks with our quarterback play Oof. with – Teddy Bridgewater, you know, being taken out on the second snap of the game against the Jets because some independent neurologist may or may not have saw a you know a mm-hmm. wobble. And actually, I think it, I think it was I saw somewhere that Doctor Sills, the the head guy for the NFL, was in the booth, mm-hmm. and he, he, it came out that he was the one that saw the wobble, and he <laughs> called it the independent guy. And it's like. Really? Like, okay, what wobble? Because I've seen this video 15 times, I haven't seen anything, but that's beside the point. Skylar Thompson, um, you know, filled in last week against the Vikings for, you know, oh, I don't know, uh, 13 pass attempts, and he got knocked out with, I think, a hand injury of some sort. Teddy Bridgewater comes back, comes into the game. This game was just kind of a wash. Um, you know, they lost against the Vikings. They're 3-3 they're three and three at this point. But they're going against the Steelers in prime time. Two is back. I think this offense is going to pick up where it left off, you know, after the Bills game and after the Ravens game, um, where I think you're going to get Waddle, who was dinged up. I think he has a shoulder injury. And um, and Tyreek Hill, you know, back into the game and, and you know, killing you with speed. So I'm real hopeful with, Ty, with, uh, with Tua coming back. Uh, the defensive side of the football, it still leaves something to be desired. The secondary is not the greatest. Um, so, you know, maybe George Pickens is going to have his way against the secondary. I think it's going to be a competitive game. It's going to be close. The spread right now is uh, Dolphins laying seven points. I took the Dolphins to lay seven. Um, but I think it might end up being closer than that, all things considered. Well, I, I think this is the start of, and this all is dependent on if Tua is healthy and can stay healthy 
But I think this is the start of a five-game win streak for you guys because you've got the mm-hmm. Steelers this week. And I am sorry, the Steelers are a hot mess. Like, I know the Buccaneers lost to them, but my God, like, Mitch Trubisky, that, whatever. The Steelers, I think you'll be able to beat them easily. Lions, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not buying to Jared Goff and, and Dan Campbell. Bears, uh, Browns, Texans. That's five very easy relatively winnable games for you guys. And then it gets a little harder. Obviously, you've got the 49ers uh, the week after that, um, the Bills, Chargers, Packers, Patriots, and Jets. So, listen, this is when you guys got to get right, get back into the swing of things. You guys started out 3-0, super hot, feeling good. And then two injury changed everything. I mean, the last two games you guys have looked at sometimes inept almost. Um, but the good thing about you guys over the last two weeks is even though you had no Tua and no quarterback, like your your offense was still producing in a weird way, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at stats today for the wide receivers, and to my surprise, Tyreek still has the most yards in the NFL, and then number five was Jalen Waddle. So you guys are still producing and eating up yards and putting up points. So I'm looking forward to this game, super excited about it. On the other side, though, Mike Tomlin said that Kenny Pickett will play if he's able. The question is, will he get cleared enough soon enough to play, and I don't think he will. So it probably will be Mitch Trubisky, or do you think I? Do you think he did a chance that Kenny Pickett starts? Oh, I don't know, Jay. I mean, I'm at the point now where I feel like we're just getting railroaded by the concussion protocol because mm-hmm. before, like you know, up until a couple of weeks ago, yeah, player clearing the protocol within like a week just seemed you know dumbfounded. Those days were over, and now all of a sudden, like Kenny Pickett might be able to come back for this game. Honestly, I don't think he's going to clear protocol. I would be surprised because Teddy Bridgewater didn't clear protocol and he didn't have a wobble or anything. And he passed the you know symptoms test like when he went into the locker room uh, two weeks ago. So part of me says no, but at this point, all bets are off when it comes to this protocol. Um, I am leaning towards Mitch Trubisky playing this week. Mm-hmm. Uh so you take that with what you may. He seemed to have a little bit of a connection with Chase Claypool, but what the hell? What to the be... hell is the Bucks defense thinking? <clears throat> giving up three massive third downs to win the game with Kenny to to uh, Mr. Trubisky. My God, what the hell? Well, then you have you have the him with the connection with Chase Claypool, but I guess like Deontay Johnson and him have like a heated exchange on oh, the sideline. I, I got to go yeah, back yeah. to find that video because um, I missed that, but. Uh, yeah, you know, the Mitch Trubisky ride is going to be coming to an end here. I think he's going to start this week. I don't think Kenny's going to clear protocol. Kenny's going to start the week after, you know, he's going to take, he's going to take one for the team, uh, Mitch Trubisky on Sunday in primetime. Yeah. Man. Najee Harris though. Talk to me about Mm -hmm. Najee. I mean, did, did he just crater back down to earth? Cause I was expecting him to, okay. Like his offensive line's bad. And he's not going to get as many checkdowns as he did with, you know, geriatric Ben back there. But mm-hmm. I still thought, like, Mitch was going, or or Kenny, for that matter, was going to use him as a safety valve, especially when Pat Fryermuth went out with a concussion, who I think he's on track to come back. And he's, you know, one of the better tight ends in the NFL right now. And within a year or two, he might be the top end, uh, top tight end in the league in Pat Fryermuth. But... It, it just seems like he's non-existent anymore. And there's like a rookie running back breathing down his breathing down his neck. Well, I think well, his come last on. when was he existent? Like, can you seriously point to a game or a stretch of games in the NFL the last year and a half that Najee Harris 
did something for anybody or, or for the Steelers? Because I, I thought last year was a little bit of a bust for him. This year, through one, two, three, four, five, six games, he has 264 yards on 83 attempts, which is a three-yard average per carry. Like, that's just horrendous, right? And I'll be real with you, Puma. He gives me, uh, uh, what's uh, what's the guy's name? Trent Richardson vibes. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie to you. Maybe, maybe it's just the Alabama factor. Maybe they both play for Alabama. But he just looks timid. He doesn't hit the hole hard. He tries too much sometimes, bouncing out, trying to get a big play. But he, I don't understand why he does that because he's not a speed back. He's not going to get the edge. He's he's more of a power back. He has to go up the middle. I, I just I don't understand what Najee Harris is doing. And, I, and, I, and I'm sorry. But I think him and Kyle Pitts, we can write off his bus right now. I might eat those words. I might eat them. But we're a year and a half in. And by the end of year two, if you're not producing, then you're not going to get any better in year three and four. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't even get me started on Kyle Pitts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it's, time for that. It's too soon. Yeah. Jay, I'm literally go- I'm I'm really considering starting that Bellinger kid for the Giants over Kyle Pitts this week you because should. I mean you should I want nothing you to should. do with him, but like the tight end market is just so bad that it just it makes no sense. I kind of want off the, the 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 Kyle Pitts experience, but um, yeah, Jay. On the happier notes, on the happier notes, your 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 team's in prime time. Well, Puma, I um. Well, before we get to that, did I tell you I've I've had like a little bit of like uh, I've been getting over something the last couple of days? Like I've been like popping Advil left and right. Did I tell you about this or no? No. Well, I've got the Zappy Fever, baby. That's why I'm popping these pills left and right. Give me that time all because Zappy Fever is here, all right? It's at an all-time high. Two and three Chicago Bears taking on the three and three New England Patriots. I've not been this happy for a Patriots game in probably two or three years, man. Like, you have no idea. You have no idea how, how good it feels to sit down and watch a Patriots game. There's something about the kid, Puma. I can't put my finger on it. I just cannot. But I love me some Bailey Zappi. And if you guys uh, haven't heard of Living Under a Rock, uh, <laughs> Bailey Zappi's coming off of a great performance against the Browns. 300 yards, two touchdowns, 114 rating. In three games so far against the Packers, the Lions, and the uh, the the Browns, he's had a rating of over 100. So he's playing good, clean football. The Patriots, at times this past weekend, Puma, the reason why I'm so excited, is at times this past weekend against the Browns, they've leaned on him to create offense, right? I mean, you would think a rookie with his second start would just run the ball, play good defense, and get out of there. No, no, no. They, at, at times, they were asking him to actually create offense, right? So I like what I'm seeing out of Bailey Zappi. And obviously, the Bears are coming to town. And the Bears are just the worst team in the NFL. So I don't even think we got to spend some time on them because we're going to beat them. We're going to beat them soundly. Unless if Matt Jones starts, that is a different story. But <laughs> if, Bailey, if Bailey Zappi starting and the Patriots are playing the Bears on Monday Night Football, bro, lock it in. 38-point win. I'm going to say 38-14, 38-10. Patriots rolling, baby. Bailey Zappi fever. Here it is. Yeah, Jay, uh, you know, the doctor just prescribed a med- you know, a pill uh, called uh, Mac Jones. Uh, that's <laughs> going to cure your zappy fever. No! Uh, because it sounds like there's reports. There's reports coming out, dude, that he's about 90% and he's going to star in Albert Breer and Ben Volan. And I know New England people and New England media have, like, uh, certain thoughts about Ben Volan, calling him trolling Volan, but... You know, those are. Well, it's not even just him. There's like, there's like five other guys. You see, Florio said something today as well, right? 
Florio, right, Albert feel- Breer, Mike Lombardi, pretty much not just Volan. There's a lot of people saying right. Volan is echoing. But like out of everyone in that whole list, like Breer carries the most water yeah. with me because nobody really has a bad word to say about Albert Breer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, they're all saying that this is kind of like a, a humbling lesson for Mac Jones because Mac, and this is a direct quote from Breer, is Mac Jones is a why guy. Why you know, why are we doing this? Like, why do we have this offensive system in place? Why aren't we building off of last year? Why, 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 why? And Bill Belichick is not a why guy. And that's why, mm-hmm. you know, he had success with the likes of Tom Brady and Matt Castle for a cup of coffee and Jimmy Garoppolo for a cup of coffee and Jacoby Brissett when he had to fill in. They weren't why guys. So um, this was kind of a thing. Bailey Zappi's not a why guy. He's a yes sir, no sir, what do you need right. kind of guy. You know, you know this. He got he gets elected to the Pro Bowl, which honestly, in my opinion, I'm with Volan on this one. He shouldn't have been. He really wasn't lighting up the stat sheet. And when you think of it, Jay, yeah, you're gonna be the best quarterback in that rookie class when you have, you know, t- Trevor Lawrence with the ineptitude of uh, of Urban Meyer. You got Justin Fields who is not progressing as a quarterback. Yeah, he's yeah. You know, yeah, you're gonna look like a stud, uh, first round draft pick. Uh, but this was just a knock him down a peg or two. Honestly, Jay, if you're ninety, if he's ninety percent, I'm expecting him to start this game. That doesn't change my outlook. I think New England rolls in this game because Chicago is mm-hmm. just so yeah. inept. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do. I would not be shocked if you saw good old McCorkle Jones back there to put the wet blanket on your high hopes for Zappy. Well, Puma, and uh, let's be real here for a second. And um, I really want to talk about some, like, schematics and some of the fundamentals and some of the, the game that both Mac Jones and Billy Zappi bring in. I I truly believe to their physical cores, they're about the same person, right? Uh, if I had to be totally fair and transparent, I think, you know, um, Mac Jones is probably 10% more physically gifted. I think his arm is a tad bit better. With the accuracy, but on deeper long range throws, I think Bailey Zappi has a better arm. On top of that, I think obviously height and weight, you, that's just God given genetics, and Mac Jones is bigger and more athletic. All right, fine, whatever. But I think where for me, the reason why I'm so excited about Bailey Zappi is those intangibles. And, and this is something that I can't quantify, I can't maybe not even really explain, but you've known me long enough where I can pinpoint. Bad intangibles in a quarterback, whether it's Kyler Murray, Mac Jones, whoever is down the line, I can somehow get the sense of a feeling that I don't like that guy's intangibles, his leadership, his his will, his work ethic, his clutching. I something that's obviously something that you can't quantify, and a lot of these NFL teams have a hard time doing that as well. That's why picking quarterbacks is not a science; it's more of a feel. But what I'm seeing out of Zappy, the kid just like he reminds me. I'm not saying he's Brady, but that work ethic of Coming in, just doing what you're being told, getting the ball out quickly, never gets rattled. That's something that I can't stress enough. The kid never gets rattled. It's been three games now. Miles Garrett's breathing down his neck in a couple of those plays. He steps up to the left. Yeah, he fumbled once, but there's other game, the other other points throughout the game where he calmly eluded the pressure, got the ball out of his hand, made a big play, and they leaned on him as the game went on to create more of those plays. I've never seen that out of Mac Jones. Like, Mac Jones has one one thing go wrong, and he's huffing and puffing on the sideline, having a meltdown. Then that, that huffing and puffing leads him to have another bad play, and then next thing you know, we're three drives down the road, and the, the offense still hasn't gone back on track. You saw Billy Zappi fumble the ball on the second drive against uh, Miles Garrett. He got rattled for three plays. He got his internal clock sped up, and then the next drive in, 
he was a totally calm, collected quarterback again. So all I'm saying, Puma, is people like Bailey Zappi, who have been shit on his whole life, have been told to go to Houston Baptist, go to Western Kentucky. I promise you, this is the last time we're going to hear from him. Like, he will come back again, whether it's down the road, filling for Mac Jones again. I, this is not going to end well for Mac Jones the way I have this feeling going, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be it's it's definitely gonna be interesting to watch. You know the uh, I guess dichotomy between you know Mac Jones, the air quote franchise quarterback, and the old man. Um, I I don't know. It's gonna make for must see TV. If if Mac Jones starts and they and they somehow lose to the Chicago oh Bears, my god, my god, oh Mac my Jones god. better find another another way home. <laughs> like, Could you imagine? Because Calgary it might not even be his fault. It might Could not you? even be his fault. Could you imagine Matt, uh, Felger and Maz on, on Tuesday if Mac Jones lose that game on Monday night to the Bears? <laughs> yeah, that would be something. Well, that what do you mean? It might, what do you mean? It might not be his fault. It, it might be no, his like fault. I, no. What I'm saying is like it might not be like let's say they lose the game, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe it's not even something he does. Like maybe this is the one time the Bears actually flash, right? Like the no, sun shines on no, the ass of no, the no, dog no, from time to time. No, no, but I hear don't... me out, Jay. Like it could come down to like Ramonde Stevenson putting the ball on the ground. He okay. could he could make a he could make a pass to Johnu Smith and it bounces off his hands and it, it, it pick six. Like it, things like that that could decide the game, especially with what is this total at right now? The total is at 40. It was at 38 yesterday. So it's like it's creeping up, but it's looking like a big 10 game right now. But when you're laying eight points with such a low total, like there's always the possibility of like a backbreaking interception that's going to either A, cause you to not cover the spread, or two, have the sky fall and you lose the game. It might not even be something he does, but if they lose that game, everybody and their brother is going to be trying to trade Mac Jones by the trade deadline for an Arby's gift card because I think everyone is just over the Mac Jones experiment right now. And I think it, I think honestly, in my opinion, it's just because, you know, Jake, like you, I think a lot of people have been turned off by Mac. You were the first one driving the bus since draft day. Because you know what this kid looked like coming out of Alabama and his off-field peccadillos and whatnot. But at this point, and I said it last week, if my Coleman sleeping bag case had had an arm and could throw the football 10 yards, I think some people in New England at this point would take him over Mac Jones. Well, I would I would agree with that statement before the Browns game, Puma. And, and, I'm, I'm, and I know it's the Browns, so I'm sorry. Like, maybe we've got to preface this with saying it's the Browns. But Puma, they had 12 penalties, the Patriots, for 92 yards and a turnover and a fumble. And usually when that happens, those penalties, in the past year and a half, Mac Jones couldn't overcome that kind of stuff. Remember all the time we talk about, oh my God, another penalty for Isaiah Wynn. Oh my God, another penalty for Trent Bryant. Remember all those conversations we had? Mm-hmm. Same thing happened against the Browns. However, Billy Zappi overcame them. And that's the difference here is that for some reason, Mac Jones plays quarterback one rigid way. It's back foot hits on a three-yard drop or a five-step uh, five drop, and the ball's out. It's got to be perfect in timing. Anything else off of that, he, he can't seem to improvise. Now, Billy Zappi is a little bit different. He, he 
he has a feel for stepping left, stepping right. Um, the play's off schedule here, but I'm just going to take three steps out of the pocket here and get it here. I'm going to step up here and take a left here and get the ball downfield, Tyquan Thorne. There's a different finesse to how Bailey Zappi plays, and it's just not in my head, I promise, Pumo. Once you get to see more of this, you'll be like, hold on a second. That offense for the last two weeks for the Patriots, I know Bailey Zappi looked way different than what Mac Jones is operating against. Maybe not the Bears, but down the road against a better opponent. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to be... It'll definitely be must-listen-to radio if they somehow lay an egg. Now, to get to the Bears real quick, Jay. No, 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 like, no, 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 because we do have to talk about it. Because, I mean, at this point, at this point, like, we're kind of equating Mac Jones to, like, one rung. One single rung above Justin Fields. And I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, Puma. I'm sorry, Puma. If you switch them out... Justin Fields would have the same exact success, if not more, in that Patriots offense. And Fair if you enough. Put, and if you put Mac Jones in Chicago, we would never hear his name ever again. Dude, it might be worse than what Justin Fields is putting on the field right now. So that's that gets to my question. Is Justin Fields not progressing as a quarterback because of the system and structure in place in Chicago? Or is there something else going on? Because... You've said this for a while now, and it was kind of it was blatantly obvious last week against the Washington Commanders, where I mean the Commanders' defense was dead last in the league in turnovers, and somehow they generated you know two, um, if I recall correctly. I know one of them was the Jonathan Allen interception after Justin Fields threw the football right at the defensive lineman's helmet, but if the first read's not there, he's just scrambling, which is. Okay, fine, because you, he is an elite runner in, in the grand scheme of things, but like, why, why has there not been any progression? Is this because the Bears, th this current regime for Chicago, this is not his guy? And it's like, okay, like, damn the torpedoes, we'll get the high draft pick and we'll go get our guy in this upcoming draft? Or is there something else going on behind the scenes in Chicago? Well, in your opinion? I mean, I don't want to have a level of cop out here because usually I have some firm stances on these things and I, and I drive it. But I really think it's a 50-50 proposition between both Justin Fields not progressing in his second year and the offense, well, the lack of offensive staff and creativity um, out of that uh, out of that coaching staff. Now there are times that coaching staff has schemed open um, some looks for for Justin Fields and he just airmills it or he doesn't see it. But it's it's a toss up of 50-50. And the reason why I say that is because if a coaching staff in Bill Belichick, obviously, let's take him out of the equation here for a second, but Joe Judge, Emma Patricia are able to get Bailey Zappi ready for a three-game stretch where he's looked decent. I don't understand how you can't do that for the same with Justin Fields. You feel me? Like, like we mm -hmm. should we should really be seeing a little bit more out of Justin Fields than just him on the sideline basically having a meltdown internally. Right. Yeah. And one last the, point on the Patriots, and I'm sorry to keep going back to this, but isn't it funny now all of a sudden that, you know, Matt Patricia is getting Hunter Henner wide open, John o. Smith seems to be getting into the, into the fold. For the first time in a year and a half, John o. Smith and the tight ends <coughs> and, and Hunter Henry seem to be in the mold, uh, in the flow of things of the game plan. I'm just saying it's kind of interesting, isn't it, when a quarterback gets the ball out on time and has some finesse to his game. Mm-hmm. Same plays. Yeah, Same exact plays. Matt calling. Same exact plays. I mean, at this point, Jay, like, for the Chicago fans out there that are listening, maybe all two of you, uh, but in in the grand scheme of things, I think if Chicago's going to have a puncher's chance in this game, they're going to 
have to use Justin Fields' legs. They're going to have to use Montgomery and Khalil Herbert out of the backfield because I mean, the defense for New England is great. Like, no, no, no disrespect. They're above average in, in a lot of things. But, like, rushing-wise, they're, they're middle of the pack. So, like, again, if, you know, you're not progressing as a quarterback, and we all know that, like, Bill is going to take away the first option because everyone, their brother, can see that yep. if the first option is not open, this whole offensive scheme crumbles. I think that I think the Bears are going to have to embrace Justin Fields' athleticism and let him go off script and let him scramble and just you know eat up chunks of yards. I, I think that's the only way this team is going to keep it close on Monday night in uh, in Foxborough. I believe that, yeah the Pats are home in this one. They're laying eight points against the Bears. The under the over under is forty. Like I said, it's a Big Ten West game. With the point spread of eight, like I'm betting wise, I'm not touching this game. But if the Bears want to have a hope and keep in this close and possibly win, they're going to have to use the run game. Puma, the only way that the Bears are going to have a chance is if Mac Jones plays. Simply put, I'm sorry. If Brady Zappi is out there, bro, it's over. It's over. Let's, uh, let's, here let's we go. We're already anointing him Brady Zappi. <laughs> wow. How the tides have turned for those in Foxborough. <laughs> In our turn for me, I never bought into Mac Jones. And this is exactly just, why. And, and it speaks to why Zappy Fever is so relevant, Puma, is because Mac Jones left that window open. Not just for me, because obviously I was never a Mac Jones guy, but there is a certain, a huge segment of the population in Patriots Nation that never, like, yeah, they liked Mac Jones, but they didn't really believe he was the guy. You feel me? Like, then that's why this is so rele- relevant right now, is because. Physically, it's the same guy. It's literally the same guy, except Billy Zappi is maybe two inches shorter. I'm sorry, an inch shorter. And he seems to have way more intangibles than Mac Jones. Like, let's be real. If this was Billy Zappi backing up Josh Allen, they'd be like, all right, shut up, Billy Zappi. Get out of here. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. who cares about this guy? But the problem is they're physically so similar that Bailey Zappi has a chance. And that's why Bailey Fever is so prevalent right now. Yeah. 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 It's, uh... I think people in in Foxborough kind of psyched themselves up for Mac Jones because they thought, oh well, the old the, the old man, the uh, you know Bill, you got the uh, you got the next guy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we gotta trust mm-hmm. Bill. So I think yeah. that's what happened here. Yeah. Well, all I'm saying is, should I hold off on ordering my Billy Zappy jersey, or should I go ahead and do it now? At this point, Jay, like I said about the Coleman sleeping bag, you'd be getting the Coleman jersey if uh, if this guy had an arm. So dude, you know, at this felt, point, Puma, I felt so good sitting down and being happy to watch a Patriots game, dude. I, I feel so good. Oh my god, it's like you know how like you like um, you like rekindle something with an old flame. You know how you get back to that. Oh my god, after a year and a half of two years of just hating the Patriots, I was back in love, man, for a brief wow. two weeks. Wow, look at that. Just when they thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Oh, my goodness. Uh, all right, man. Well, listen, you got some uh, best bets? Yeah, I got some uh, I got some best bets. But real quick, real quick, can I just go back to the commanders real quick? Did you sure. hear the story about the bounced you know, check from the 50-50 raffle? Uh, no. Tell me more about this. So this was going uh, – this was breaking in uh, in D.C. you know, radio today and then on Twitter – 
Uh, but Sports Illustrated even started running with this. So there was this guy, uh, week one against the Jaguars, uh, he won a 50-50 raffle at FedEx Stadium. So for those of you that don't know, you know, you enter in a raffle and 50% goes to you and the other 50 goes to the team charity of their choice type of deal. Well, this one guy won and he won like $14,000 from the 50-50 raffle. Wow. And after a month of haggling with the team trying to get the check, he finally gets a check from this organization. He goes to cash it and uh, or deposit it rather. No way. It and bounces. he's trying he, he's trying to split it between both his savings and checking account type of deal. The check bounces. And not only does it bounce because of like the fees associated with it, like it just drained both of his accounts. So oh he God. had no money in his accounts. He's he's on the phone with like the the ticket brokerage firm that got him the tickets uh, from FedEx Field. Finally, the commanders were able to, you know, immediately get this guy his money from the 50-50 raffle and blamed it on like a bank error. Now, Jay, more than likely it was a bank error, but like with all the things going down in Washington, like the Mm -hmm. simple stuff is blowing up in your face now. Oh yeah. my God! Bad look, bad look. I mean, you you can't, you gotta be on top of that kind of stuff, man. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. I mean, he won this week one. It's week six, and he finally gets his check, and it bounces all the way back. My God! Like, do I think Dan Snyder's running out of running out of money to the point where he can't pay fourteen thousand dollars in a fifty-fifty raffle? No, but the fact of the matter that they can't even do like the simple stuff right to keep their air quote fans quasi on board is absolutely mind-boggling. But, but I mean, but I mean, but Puma like wasn't the same organization that got caught buying old peanuts from a from a uh, debunked or defunded airline and selling them at the stadium. Not even that. During the financial crisis in 2007-2008, Dan Snyder literally was suing old people because they couldn't keep up with the uh, the season ticket fees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, 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 he, the, they, he is that dude. That is that type of family. And if you have not read the Zeth Wickersham article, people, do it. I will, I will put the link on my Twitter page. But to help you guys make some money, we're gonna go. We're gonna do my best bets with the Puma this week. So right off the top, I said this earlier. I got the Dolphins laying seven points. Uh, it's juice to minus one fifteen. It's still kind of hanging out around minus one fifteen on DraftKings Sportsbook, the unofficial official sportsbook of the Pro Football Radio Podcast. I got the Dolphins laying seven. Um, I got the under forty eight and a half in the Chiefs San Francisco 49ers game. I mean, listen, the the Chiefs defense they held. The uh, the Bills uh, the Bills offense to twenty something points last week. Uh, this is a better spot for the Chiefs defense, in my opinion. You know, we all know what Jimmy Garoppolo is, um, and I, I think they're going to be able to keep it close. I think you know Garoppolo and, and the 49ers are clearly clearly going to try to run the ball, shorten shorten the game by having the moving clock type of deal. Uh, so I'm going to take the under 48 and a half in this game. Chiefs 49ers going across the country, going to Santa Clara for this game. Uh, the Seahawks plus six and a half against the Los Angeles Chargers for everything that we kind of hit on uh, in the uh, the Broncos segment. I mean, ba- Brandon Saley is just a bad coach, especially for like, you know, a defensive type of dude. They're going to find ways to screw themselves out of a football game. They've, they've kind of hamstrung Justin Herbert. It's like, you know, having a Maserati, but you're using it to teach kids how to drive. Uh, they, they just, for some reason, you know, Joe Lombardi is not given 
Herbert the full key to this Ferrari here. And I think that's going to be the reason why the the Seattle Seahawks keep it close in this game. And who knows, is J.C. Jackson actually going to play a full game or is he going to be benched halfway through? Because Geno Smith is, uh, you know, blatantly a better quarterback at this point than Russell Wilson was last week. So uh, J.C. Jackson is going to have to be on this field against D.K. Metcalf. But I think the four, the uh, Seahawks keep it close. I'm getting the six and a half points here. And Indianapolis against the Tennessee Titans, which I believe is their second and final matchup of the season already. I got the Colts getting three points here. Matt Ryan looked like vintage Matt Ryan last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I understand it's the Jaguars who have come crashing back down to earth. But considering what the Colts have been up until this point in the season, uh, I think Matt Ryan's going to uh, keep this game close. I think the, the Colts may actually win this game outright. There seems to be a bond developing between him and Alec Pierce, the rookie wide receiver. Uh, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is kind of coming back to life in this game. Maybe Jonathan Taylor will actually, you know, show some signs of life. Uh, maybe he'll be active. Uh, he missed the last few weeks with an ankle injury, but clearly they need him because Philip Lindsay was not getting it done last week. And the Tennessee Titans, outside of Derrick Henry, there really isn't anyone else there. You got the ghost of Robert Woods on uh, at wide receiver. The defense is kind of eh. Uh, so I like the the Colts getting three points here, and I think they win this game outright. All right, it looks oh. like it's uh, in the Giants. I got the Giants yeah. plus three for nice. the Giants just being Giants, and they've been covering machines lately. Okay. Um, all right. So looks like uh, a, a men's Nike Bailey Zappi jersey is going to cost me one hundred twenty nine dollars. I'm looking at the pro shop right now and debating what do I do here. I mean. I say treat yourself, Jay. <laughs> you would. But that's just me. <laughs> what do uh, I know? Oh, my God. Okay. Um, uh, 71 minutes. I think we should wrap it up, right? Yeah, let's plug it up. I, mean, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to lose my mind over that uh, Nashville Stadium deal, but we'll do that at a different time. Yeah. Well, this episode of the podcast, the previous episodes of the pod, can be found on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast at under Pro Football Radio Podcast. Uh, if it's Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. Somehow the algorithm with the people typing the keyboards in Palo Alto, it'll help us with the exposure. Five-star review is greatly appreciated. Google Podcasts, be sure to leave a review. YouTube, be sure to hit that little bell button. That's the subscribe button. So whenever the captain of the ship, Jay Chima, drops a new video in the feed, you'll be notified so you can get it for your listening and viewing pleasure. Uh, social media-wise, Facebook and Instagram, Pro football radio podcast the twitter machine at p uh pfr podcast i'm on twitter brando underscore puma jay chima is at jay chima be sure to hit us up uh definitely gonna have a lot more takes on either stadium deals like jay mentioned off uh, just now about the tennessee titans in the city of nashville snyder is not going away anytime soon betting stuff fantasy stuff Let's go. Let's get after it and uh, hit us up on social media and like, subscribe, download, and share amongst everybody. All right. See you guys next week. I got the fever. Via Condito. Oh.